help us send the flowers just can we can we drop them over the skies airlift the flowers and drop them on all the houses and on all the people Welcome to How We Bloom, an oasis of flower ideas. I'm your host, Sharon McGookin, AIFD, AAF, PFCI, and I believe that every great success story starts with one simple idea. That's why we interview those who dare to do things differently, inspiring people who plant seeds, grow ideas, and bloom to their full potential. In this podcast, we listen, learn, Explore new opportunities, and that's how we bloom. Floral professionals consider flowers an important part of life. Despite the isolation, one gift of COVID was that more people than ever realized the value of flowers as a lifestyle. Who doesn't want to add to their daily life beauty, color, fragrance, and a bit of nature brought indoors. There's a reason that gardening is the number one hobby of Americans. Playing in the dirt connects us back to Mother Earth, grounding us. Whether we grow food, herbs, flowers, we find joy in nurturing something that shares life with us. I feel that people who never knew the value of flowers and people who had forgotten the value of flowers relearned the gift of giving and enjoying flowers during COVID. I was thinking about this and initiated a discussion with my dear friend, Jody Duncan, AIFD. We love to chat. I wanted to share some of our thoughts with you. I met Jody years ago through AIFD and found a kindred spirit. We can talk for hours. We share a love of family life and flowers. This TED Talk speaker, visual and brand strategist, is a creative problem solver within and without the floral industry. Her marketing and consulting business focuses on the problems and concerns that keep her clients up at night. She makes those challenges go away. Productive, inventive, charismatic, and a whole lot of fun. That's Jody. Join us as we discuss flowers as a lifestyle. Let us know what you think. Welcome, Jody. Hi, Sharon. It's so nice to be with you today. Well, I am excited to have you here as my guest because I know you always have a lot of great thoughts about flowers, the use of flowers, and how to live with flowers. And it really has occurred to me a lot in the past couple of years how flowers are a lifestyle. They really are. It's It kind of softens the blows of daily living just to have flowers in your life, Um Back in the TED Talk that um, is on YouTube that I gave several years ago, I alluded to that and called it flower power. Just flowers elevate your mood as well as the people that are around you when you just carry them with you through the day. And let's face it, the days that we all walk through now are more challenging and presented um, with more instability and fear and all kinds of things. So what better than flowers uh, to just give us a chance to sigh and to give us some eye candy, give us something just to go, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And flowers do that for me. And um, I suspect I'm not alone. 
<laughs> I think not. And I think that a lot of people identified that more strongly during COVID. The isolation made us really value home-cooked meals and using flowers to beautify the home. You know, when you put flowers on the table before a meal with family or friends, it makes those people feel like a special guest. Just a simple, it can be foraged from the yards. It can be purchased from a florist. It doesn't really matter where the flowers come from. It's that you took the time to have them before the people at your table. It really is a true thing. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's such a true statement. And there's nothing that can't be made better by adding a flower. And it's mindfulness, really not just to throw some food on the table and, you know, we've all stood at the counter and we've all eaten with food in our laps, but, but to come home and just to have a single bloom or some foliage from the yard or something that you, you grabbed quickly at the grocery store um, or a bouquet from the florist, it, it elevates your mood, your expectations, just the whole energy shifts when flowers are added to the room. We've all been to funerals where there weren't any flowers and there's nothing more depressing when you're already in the midst of loss to not have flowers. And um, I have flowers in my home all the time, even during COVID when you couldn't go anywhere and you could not get anything. I went to uh, my property where I have five acres and some days there wasn't anything in bloom. I'd be like, well, I've got moss. I'm going to rip this moss out of the creek bed and take it back to the house and put it in a pretty tray and put some stones with it and a few sticks and a few branches and some mosses and some lichens. And even something as simple as that, just the creative expression and the mindfulness that it took to break you out of whatever thoughts you're thinking um, or whatever rut you might be in, flowers can lift you out of it. Um, And I can say that because I've experienced it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Even small children know that. Think how many times a child has plucked a flower to take in to someone they love. And I I picked flowers for you. Isn't it just interesting that they know that even at a young age that flowers bring joy to others. It's intuitive to a child. The dandelions um, in all their stages of development, the clover, the violets that grow in most people's grass or in the ditch, that when you're a toddler even, you go and grab those and either stuff them in your own pockets or you go give them to an adult or to your mother or your grandmother. Um, Children intuitively understand the comfort and the beauty and the joy of flowers. Um, and so I don't know, there's something about being like a little child <laughs> when it comes to flowers that is, is so healthy and um, just full of hope. Adds a lot of grace to life. And boy, do we need it now more than ever. <laughs> we do. I think that's why we relearned the value of flowers. There was a whole generation that had never learned the value of flowers. And then our generation had in a lot of ways, forgotten some of the joy of flowers. And they relearned that because when you couldn't be there, flowers could speak for you. Flowers could add the love to the room that was absent from the people. Because when you are in that moment of grief and you look around at the flowers, it represents the people that love the one you love. And that's just comforting. It is comforting. And to not 
it seems like when the world shut down and went sideways that we didn't get to see each other. We didn't get to touch each other. We didn't get to gather. We didn't get to grieve. We didn't get to celebrate um, for way too long. And the collateral damage of that um, is something that we're still suffering from today. But the bright side of that, if there is one, and I hesitate to even say that there is a bright side, um, but there is, and that is that we realize that flowers really do carry emotion, that they really do express when we can't, when we can't be there for a birthday or a funeral or an anniversary or somebody's bad day or somebody's just because. Um, when we couldn't be there, flowers had to speak for us. We were, we were masked up and hunkered down and, um, we had to send flowers to carry our hearts, to carry our affections. And, um, I think that is a beautiful lesson that hopefully we won't forget that flowers are so important in that way. And when we couldn't be with our friends and we couldn't be with our activities, we could be in our herb garden. We could be in our flower beds. We could be outdoors. I think that the new movement of foraging that is so popular now and all of the parts that it plays in our life, I think that came because we could just do that. We couldn't go places, but we could get outdoors and walk through the woods and walk through the fields and bring back those natural materials like you mentioned. And we were able to teach that to our children. During what we've just been through, our humanity was diminished and squelched and shut down. So flowers became human. Flowers very much became human. They took on the essence of who we wanted to be but couldn't be. They expressed the words that we couldn't deliver. Um, and so I that's that's a huge huge gift to me as is that how powerful flowers really are especially in the the wake of the last few years just being able it brought the human touch back like what you said about being in the garden people were sort of removed from flowers they're behind glass they're behind a counter but during all the lockdowns and everything people really started gardening. The garden centers were wiped out. I know in my area, they were sold out. There was nothing left. They sold out in record time. People were planting things in record numbers. The seeds were out. The garden centers were empty um, because people were at home doing that. So I think it brought flowers back into our hands, into the hands of the consumer, out of the cellophane that they were so far removed that now they're accessible, they're tangible, and we can receive healing just from focusing our attention on something beautiful, if only just for a moment. And it plays into the fact that we were searching for a healthier lifestyle. Flowers are like good food, fine wine, comfortable surroundings. Flowers are a part of a healthier nicer, more elevated lifestyle. You typically find that when people use flowers in their home, they do a lot of other healthy things as well. They really do. And studies have shown that. Rutgers has done studies. I know SAF has done studies. Um, major universities, Harvard, Princeton, uh, Duke University have all done studies about how flowers affect healing, how they affect our mental state, which Oh, 
help us send the flowers just can we can we drop them over the skies airlift the flowers and drop them on all the houses and on all the people because if anybody needs some mental health um awareness and uh, comfort it's all of us and flowers certainly provide that it it just it just gives your mind a safe place and a happy place to go um and without responsibility nobody wants any more stuff nobody wants anything we have to dust but flowers you can enjoy and then compost them when you're done and then pick up some more it doesn't require a commitment it just requires a, a face and some water and put it at your bedside put it someplace where you are going to see it put it where at your sink every day when you brush your teeth it doesn't have to be out in the foyer where everyone sees it because let's face it people are still lots of people are still not getting together, but put it in a place where it's going to elevate your mood and make it special for you. It's a gift to you. And it's, it's um, an affordable luxury. It's a nice splurge. And we all deserve that and need to carve out that space for ourselves now more than ever. And I think that's why it's important for so many years, people thought of flowers as a gift, as a remembrance, as a celebratory thought and they didn't buy flowers for themselves. And you see people now buying more flowers for themselves because it is an affordable luxury. And it is a gift you can give yourself and that you can enjoy. And a lot of people say, well, I don't want to give flowers because they don't last. The memory of giving those flowers or receiving those flowers last forever. You can't tell me how many sweaters someone has given you, but you can remember the numbers of times that you've been given flowers. There, It's a memory maker. So the flower's purpose is for that moment in time. And all good things pass. Great meals, gourmet meals, go quickly. <laughs> things that are wonderful pass fast. <laughs> they do. I, when I was, I mean, I've done over 2000 weddings in my life and done wedding and consulting and um, that ship has kind of sailed. I don't really do that anymore, but I do remember flowers always taking it on the chin in the budget. Um, and invariably somebody would say, well, the flowers just wilt. They're just going to be gone. I said, can we talk about what happens with the wedding cake? <laughs> um, and can we talk about what happens with the catering and the band that you paid all this money for that evaporates into thin air. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. So we've got, we've got music that evaporates. We've got food that we all know what happens to that. I mean, we've got invitations that were letterpress and hand calligraphed and cost all this money, but really you want to, the flowers elevate and change the entire energy of your event. Come on. The memorable part of it. Absolutely. It elevates the expectation. It elevates the mood and it changes the entire atmosphere. The entire atmosphere is changed at your celebration by flowers. Um, And even at your home, there's nothing that changes the energy of a room like a bouquet of flowers. There's not a gift that transforms the entire atmosphere like flowers and energizes it and revives it and just causes you to think a little higher because flowers are around. You can just get your thoughts just a little higher because you have something pretty to look at. One really bright mother of the bride was brilliant. She said, you know, flowers are more important to me than the food because the flowers will be seen in the 
wedding pictures for history and the food will just be eaten and gone. And she's not wrong. I love her. Give her a hug and a high five from me because yes, that's absolutely right. I was forever defending flowers. Um, but at the end of the day, they knew that I was that I was right. And just when I would point out, I'm like, okay, if, if it has to be something that's going to stay and it's not going to go away, then you've got a photographer and your apparel. I mean, there's very few things. So we can boil your way. If we're going to, if it's, if it's good for the flowers, it's good for the band and it's good for the food because that stuff all goes away too. <laughs> and how many times have you ever seen a bridesmaid's dress reworn? Come on. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I do think that flowers used as a, a elevated lifestyle is learned behavior. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's something that you will find in homes where children weren't taught that or they witnessed it in someone else's home. I know you and I have talked about that our children, when they went to college, still had flowers in their spaces or they have flowers in their home. Because they learned the value of having that. And so I think that we need to really make a concerted effort to teach young children um, to have activities that include flowers, to have the opportunity for them to learn how to design flowers. Because flowers in the home, to a large degree, is a learned behavior. It is. Um Children learn to know that's part of your routine. It's part of the expectation. It's part of the creed. It's part of your family crest. It's, it's just, it's the essence of who you are as, as much as anything, as much as the habits of your family are. And so to make sure that that's integrated and appreciated by children and to give them the opportunity to help in the garden, to give them the opportunity to help you disassemble and reassemble a grocery store bouquet and not say, Oh, don't touch that. Oh, uh, no, but, but to teach them how and teach them how to do, how to arrange flowers in the most simple way and teach them care and handling and, and let them create. And they love it. They love it. I started in a flower shop when I was seven. My mother worked at a bank across the street and she got off at three 30 and I got out of school at three o'clock and she had made friends with the florist across the street and kind of said, who can help me with this? Do you know a babysitter? We're new in town. We don't know anybody who can help me with my girls. And they were really sweet. And I said, well, we're, we're, we're florists. We're out on delivery anyway. We'll just pick them up after school and they can come hang out with us. And so from three o'clock to three 30, every day I was in a flower shop hanging out and they would let me, um, put leaf gloss on the plants and they would let me water the plants. And that's probably facilitated my career path that I've had for more than 30 years. It started at seven in a flower shop. And so I would say, Sharon, that what you are, are saying in learned behavior for me, um, I'm exhibit a, <laughs> that's absolutely true. And through the years, I've learned just by speaking with people individually, a large percentage of people who are in the floral industry today grew up either on a farm or in a landscape business family. Those things that they learned as children become skills as adults. I think so. And I think it elevates the appreciation 
for how the flowers are cultivated and grown from, from the root, the seed, the bulb. If you're close to the dirt, you understand that process and that effort of nurturing something to grow. And you don't take it for granted once you've been to the flower farms like both of us have. Um, and I was not raised on a farm, but my friends were. I was in very rural Midwest. Um, so I think that's absolutely true that there's something inherent that we realize about the power of a growing bloom that's pretty incredible. I think so. I'm headed to Iceland on Saturday, and I'm so excited to see what their natural terrain looks like, to see their flowers, to see the materials that surround them. I'm looking forward to the geothermal waters. I hear that they're very healing, but I especially want to see what a person that lives in Iceland experiences as their landscape. It's a great opportunity. We've both been very fortunate to travel um, and to experience the different cultures and how they perceive flowers, how they cultivate flowers. Um, I like to go off the grid and not have the tourist experience. So, so I want to, I want to do the touristy stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I also want to see how do they take out their trash do they have a trash day? I want to see, I mean, I want to go to the grocery store when the locals are getting off work. I want to, I want to see the little ones getting dropped off for school. Are they on a bus or do the parents drop them off or are they on a shuttle or I want to know the nuances of their lives. I know when I was in, um, in England, it was always common at the end of the day when people were getting off the train that every man got a bouquet every day. When they got off the train to bring home to, to their, their partner, their wife. And I inquired about that of my friend who, who was local and lived there. And I said, this is incredible because in the United States, men generally only grab flowers if they're in big trouble or they did something wrong (laughs) or it's a thing, you know, it's an actual event. It's a birthday. It's Valentine's day. It's whatever it is. And she said, Oh no, the men that don't send flowers here are the ones that are in trouble. They're the ones that are cheating on their wives or have maxed out their credit card or, um, have some other, uh, character flaw. And so, so I thought that was so interesting that it's normal. It was normal in this, in this town in England that the men got flowers every day and that was normal. And I thought good for them. And even their Playmobil, like Playmobiles here, you see flower florists sometimes and, and in toys here, you see a florist kit sometime here. We have first responders, carpenters, doctors, bakers, all of those kits, but you don't see floral kits. You're just now sort of starting to see them. But when I went into toy stores in, in England, that was normal. It was as normal as a doctor's kit. It was as normal as, you know, a saw and a hammer for carpenters, all of those things, the florist kit, it would come with an apron. It would come with, um, hand pruners. It would come with all of the floral things. And, and so I thought, wow. So yes, definitely flowers are a learned behavior. Definitely. Because it's part of a healthy lifestyle and they embrace that. And then, and I think they're the wise ones because they do embrace that. I think that we have let flowers be delegated to special events or special purposes and one thing that we could do to 
elevate the the thought of using flowers on a daily basis is just to choose flowers that are affordable and choose flowers that are just loosely dropped into a vase. I mean, not making a production of it. We were on vacation and someone who was on vacation with us, I brought in flowers that I'd picked up and they were, they were just in a bundle and she said, oh, are we going to see Flower Magic? And I said, no, I get paid for Flower Magic. We're just going to have these dropped Come in on. the face to enjoy. Come on. And that, for me, is Flower Magic. Absolutely. Um, because those flowers that pass through our hands, so many times we're doing it because it's part of our job or it's part of our procurement list or it's part of we want you to teach this or you have to teach that or you have to do this thing. But when I casually, as you mentioned, picked up flowers, those are for me. And if I want to get real tedious and, and you know, noodle something and, and you know, go all crazy with it, then that's, that's just for fun for me. Um, but I'm like you, uh, it's, they just pass through my hands and I want the opportunity to enjoy them without a budget, without a time constraint, without an expectation of an educational message. These are just Jody's flowers. <laughs> for joy. They are just for me to make me happy. That's it. Period. End of <laughs> sentence. I don't have to justify it. I don't have to send a PO for it. I don't have to send a report about it later. These are just Jody's flowers. But let's talk about how we can share that with other people. What can florists do to promote the idea to other people that to use flowers as a healthy lifestyle, if, if perhaps they're not doing it. You and I were talking about one day that we had both enjoyed doing events. You were in Chicago. I think I was in New York. I did a bouquet buffet, and all the guests to this opening of the hotel, I helped them to make their own little bouquet. The ones that were staying in the hotel had vases in their rooms to drop them in. The others we wrapped, and they took them with them as they left. And it was so much fun. Tell us about when you did the flower crown for uh, an event. Yeah, I I did. I taught flower crowns for a large, for a couple large music festivals, actually. And so we were banging out like 700 crowns a day um, for the festival goers. And my favorite part of getting to witness that was to see a father making a crown for his tween little girl, because there weren't small children there. I mean, they were probably the youngest one, seven, eight, ten years old. Because after all, it's a music festival. Um, so there would be a few, it was like babies or tweens. And But anyway, seeing the mothers with their daughters making flower crowns or um, a couple together, it was very tender to see cross-generationally how flowers brought them together in a shared experience with a shared project um, that was immediately would give them all the endorphins all of the smiles on their face. And then they get to walk away with this flower crown on their head. Um, it was remarkable to see, but I loved watching mothers and daughters together. I loved watching, I don't know, there was something about the dads with the little girls that just melted me <laughs> completely. So um, and I saw it over and over again. And I was just in the wings, kind of a fly on the wall watching everything because I had planned it and everything, but I had taught designers to execute it. So it was a great, great opportunity to really see the impact and to watch them walk away and smile. Um, and I had that same experience too in my TED talk. If you go back and watch that old thing, we did a gorilla floral installation in Evansville, which is where I live now. 
Um, and we came back to clean it up afterwards. And I had done 12 vases of a dozen roses and set them in a construction zone downtown on cardboard boxes and did it like gorilla. Like nobody knew we did it. So we like snuck in, slammed them down and then went and hid. And we went back to clean them up and they were all gone. Oh, cool. And I loved that because the flowers migrated into their lives. Um, I just, I, and I would see people looking around like, can we take these? And they would, you know, as the evening fell and we went back, all we had to do was pick up the boxes, but to watch. And we, I actually had a photographer that took pictures of people and it was, it was a mom in a stroller or it was a, a guy and you'd see him look over his shoulder and he's walking with his wife or with his children. And he would come back and just grab a bunch out and kind of like, go give it to him and then look over his shoulder. And so I loved I love this organic primal response to flowers that, and I was shocked. I thought when we went back, I thought a few things would be missing, but Sharon, those flowers went into the community, were completely (laughs) dispersed. And I was so thrilled, so thrilled with um, the impact of flowers and that people desired them and wanted them and took them and smiled about it. It was so much fun. I once w- was checking in a suitcase of books and that because I was selling books at my next event and it, the skycap asked me why it was heavy because it was such a small package and I said <laughs> well because it's full of books and he said about what and I said about flowers and he said oh who cares about flowers and I said buy your wife some and find out come on and he said well I don't want to waste my money in case she didn't like it and so I said well I'm going to give you a larger tip because I want you to take my tip and buy flowers on your way home Come on. and see if you are wrong. Come on. Because she will be thrilled that you have brought her flowers. He said, you think she'll think I'm running around? <laughs> I was like, no, I think she'll think you're wonderful. So promise me my money just goes to flowers. And so I always wondered... If he really used my money for the flowers or not. I know, but and I surely hope she was nice and wonderful and thrilled. I I hope so too. I've done that in restaurants too before. Um, when you just kind of have a synergy or some sort of a connection uh-huh. with a server. Uh-huh. Um, and so I and they're like, So what are you doing in town? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a floral professional. I'm teaching or doing demonstrations or workshops or whatever. And so they would be like, oh, that's so interesting. They're like, you know, I really don't spend money on flowers. Or I don't, you know, I don't know much about flowers. And I'm like, you don't have to know anything. Just go buy them. Just, just next time you're. Buy what you like. Yeah. Next time he's like, well, I see them at the gas station. I said, I don't care where you get them. Just buy them. <laughs> just buy them because they're wonderful. I don't care where they came from. Just buy the flowers. So what you said about the tip, when I would write my tip, I would, I would, I always tip generously. Um, and so on those cases, when those conversations happened, I would do the same thing as you and just do a little over the top. And I would say, please take a tiny bit of this and at least buy a small bouquet somewhere and give it to somebody that you love um, and just write that on the on the ticket. And I did I did that like a lot in my travels. I've done that frequently if if that conversation came up, came up. 
I just encourage florists to do, like you and I discussed, it was so much fun to watch all the attendees of the opening leave with their bouquet. So thrilled. All these guys giving them as gifts to their date or carrying them out. I'm going to take this home to so-and-so. And you had such fun watching the flower crowns throughout the event. I encourage florists to to do some fun things like kids' parties where kids can learn to make something and then everybody has a take home and um, or before a dance recital, the flower crowns things on the sidewalk. I mean, there's just a lot of ways that we can pull people in and put flowers in their hand and teach them what joy the flowers bring. I, it's so popular now. Ter- uh, terrariums are back and all these little yeah. make and take workshops and people can mm-hmm. buy flowers anywhere. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, you can buy flowers anywhere. Why do people want to buy flowers from from you as a traditional brick and mortar florist? What are you doing that nobody else is doing? Because otherwise it's just a commodity and they can always get it cheaper somewhere else. But how are you elevating it to your customers? And I would say to that, give them an experience. Um, I think that's the main thing on experience. It is the main thing because now we can order with three clicks and it's here and we don't have to talk to anybody. We don't have to go anywhere. And then sometimes when we do go places, it's not a pleasant experience. We have to wait too long in line. There's trash outside the store. There's dead flies in the windowsill. There's, you know, no music playing. It's, it's like, how is this a place I want to hang out? I want to shop to be a place where I feel like, oh, this is amazing. I feel like I'm in a spa. I feel like I'm somewhere special. Um, and if you can make children happy and show them the joy of flowers through make and take workshops for holidays, for birthday parties. I mean, birthday parties are so popular now, character birthday parties and all of these kind of things. I would say partner with these people, make nice with these people and say, hey, how can we work together to um, provide an experience that is enjoyable and that's fun and that we're educating and enlightening and entertaining the next generation of flower buyers. And so that's through those, those hands-on workshops and those bouquet bars and all those things that people are doing. I think it's remarkable. Um, I wish when I had my shop that that was on trend or the cool thing to do, because I think it's a lovely opportunity. I do think there are a lot of florists across the country who do a great job of being a destination place. They have the vibe that pulls people in and people want flowers from that florist just because the brand is so pervasive in their area and they know that they're going to get an experience when they go there. And for a long time, convenience was the main key to a sale and at one point price was a main key to a sale but today truly experience shopping and being a destination shop is what pulls people in and there's a lot of people that do a great job of that there are and kudos to them because this is not an easy climate to create or facilitate or understand the essence of what that even looks or feels like And so hugs and high fives to the ones that are being innovative and creative and providing a special place for people to um, be like the cheers of the floral world. You want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came, you know. (laughs) And so the neighborhood florists who are providing really good service, service sets us apart, the personality, the essence of it. 
flowers are a commodity, but to elevate that commodity, I think for successful floristry to happen, that the flower and the consumer are elevated for it having passed through our hands. That is absolutely my heartbeat, my marrow, is that those flowers that pass through our hands should be better for having passed through our hands. And the hands that they pass into should be elevated as well. To me, that's success. And that's what this industry is about. And that's what makes it so beautiful and magical and healing and special. Because our heart is blessed by the people we encounter in our work, and our hands are blessed by the flowers we touch doing our work. A hundred percent. Flowers are a medium. And I would say that not only do they carry the beauty and the essences we've all talked about today, but also that those flowers carry our creativity. There's a little bit of us, just a little bit of us that goes out with every single one, just a tiny bit of Sharon and a tiny bit of Jody and a tiny bit of every listener that as those flowers pass through our hands, there's a tiny bit of us that goes with it. And to be able to create and elevate in that way is such a privilege. It's divine. It really, it really is. It parallels the creativity that's, that's just divine and that we get to partake in and share with humanity. Now, speaking of sharing, I know that you have a new concept that you're developing right now, and I don't know if you're ready to share it with our audience. They'd love to be first. Well, sure. Well, you're definitely first, and and I'm ready to talk about it, I think, especially with you, because I feel like you're such a safe place and such a good friend. Um, But this is in the really early conceptual stage. So maybe in five or 10 years, we'll all look back and go, oh my gosh, who knew that was how that started? Or maybe it'll just be our (laughs) small, little, sweet, intimate uh, community. But when COVID happened, every day I would get boxes of color um, and get boxes of flowers from all over the country and from South America. And when COVID happened, those boxes stopped coming. So my creative outlet was gone um, because I was working with those flowers every day. And so that was just a great loss. And so what I started doing was really thinking about health and wellness and thinking about my own wellness. It was a hard reset for me these last few years. And so I started looking at um, nutrition and wellness. And, you know, I think about what my flowers, how they're conditioned, that they're at the right temperature, that they're getting the right food, that they're at the right stage of development. And we're also mindful of all of the flowers that pass through our hands but we're not mindful of the food that passes through our mouths. And as an industry, we give ourselves to creating and elevating flowers, but we don't do that for ourselves. And so the hard reset of the last couple years of this great awakening woke me up to realize, hey, you know, you're so concerned about your flower food. What about your Jody food and how that's feeding you and making you last as long as possible? We want to know what the vase life is on those flowers, but what about the Jody life on the planet? And what are you putting in yourself, you know? And I don't know that in an industry, we really take time to think about that because we're really great at thinking about everybody else and putting ourselves last. And um, so I kind of want to change that. So to that end, I started a group that is on Facebook only right now. 
Um, and if you want to join it, you can just message me because I don't want any bots or any trolls or any spam in there. So I've kept it a very small community. It's about 550 people right now. It's just been out, I don't know, a couple months. And I just started it and I thought, oh, this will just be me and a few of my besties. And then it just blew up. So the group is called The Hungry Florist. And you won't find it if you search for The Hungry Florist on Facebook because it is hidden and it is private and it is closed. However, if you want to come, just message me. Or if you have a friend in the group, they can let you in. Um, but right now, that's the only way to connect with us because we're really over there talking about how we eat and what we eat and how we're too busy to eat healthy. And these are just little quick tips to integrate into how we approach food, our mindset about food, and to set ourselves up for success and health. As a floral industry, we're so full of so many good things, but we really don't talk about our health or our wellness. We're really concerned about everybody else's. And if it's it's like the oxygen mask thing on the plane, Sharon. They say, put your own on before you put on anybody else's. And as florists, we're putting on everybody else's oxygen mask and we're not putting on our own and we're eating garbage and we're sick and we have all these diseases and all these terrible things. And um, so this is just a place to stop and go, okay, I've never really thought about nutrition. I think about it more for my flowers than I ever have myself. Guilty. I mean, I'm not throwing any stones. I was that person. I ate like a 10 year old at a carnival until the last couple years. Um, and some health challenges stopped me in my tracks and said, whoa, 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 that's not going to work. So that's what the hungry florist is. There's a website that's in development. There's um, some journals and recipe books that are in development that'll be out. But but yeah, thanks for asking about it. Um, I've got a lot of people wanting me to coach them. I've got people saying, hey, can you meet me at the grocery store? Teach me how to shop. <laughs> Teach me how to cook. Teach me how to do this. And I've had a couple people come to my kitchen and come spend a day with me before. Said, hey, can you come to my kitchen and help me figure out what to eat and how to do it efficiently, affordably, and healthy. And there's a way to do it. I've been doing it the last couple of years. So if COVID gave me a gift, which I kind of hate even saying that, that was it is that it caused me to reflect and carve out a space for my own wellness and then realize, hey, Jody, there's a whole industry that is pretty much the same. And not just the industry, actually the whole world. <laughs> that, it's, that we're just barreling toward convenience and not at all to, toward nutrition. And health and wellness is more important than ever. More important than ever, mm -hmm. I will agree. I think the gift that COVID gave me was that I had always said, I love my job, but it is a job. It is not my life. And in our industry, it's easy because we love it to get caught up and think, this is my life. Mm -hmm. But that was my job, and my life was my family and my children and my grandchildren, my husband. And I had the opportunity to prove that that's true because everything else went away and we were left you know with those things and I was whole and I knew that I was whole so that was the gift that COVID gave me to realize exactly what I'd always said I love my job but it was a job I love my life and that is my family and friends so that that was what I learned from 
what I hope will never be repeated. <laughs> Come on. No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. But it's so good that you were had that awareness and that you came down on a really positive side of it because I have a lot of friends and I know you do too that are not there, that their identity yeah. was so tied to to what they did and how many stages they stood on or mm-hmm. what name was on their business card and yeah. everybody kind of had this I don't know you could use a million metaphors of a rug being pulled out from under you or an yeah. anvil being dropped on your head or yeah. you know <laughs> road runner in the coyote you know you're just doomed no matter what and I think there's a and it was painful oh it and it still is because to try yeah. to to figure out what your identity is and to get down to the core and the marrow of who you are is hard work it's deep work it's not for the faint of heart but it's no. very rewarding and it's the only path forward and yeah. so i'm going to be carrying flowers with me <laughs> when I make it across the finish line. Um, but flowers are just a medium, whether I'm getting paid to work with flowers or as it has been not paid to work with flowers, they're still a part of my life because I yes. enjoy them. I am wholehearted yes. about my affection toward flowers. It's not tied to a paycheck or what name is on my business card it is tied to my soul because I enjoy them regardless of who my client is for marketing, whether I'm working within the floral industry for a floral client or whether I'm working for someone in healthcare or a restaurant or whatever my other clients might be. Um, flowers are, are always going to be a part of my life forever. And you can take, what is it they say? You can take the, the girl out of the flowers, but you can't take the flowers out of the girl. And so I'm, (laughs) I'm definitely that because they keep finding me, even though, even though the work isn't like it used to be, it's the, the flowers still find me and I'm delighted for that. I was laughing with Brian Vetter at Arizona State one time. He said we had to leave the workroom at five o'clock. And I was like, you have got to be kidding. You just lock the door. I'm going to stay in here. I'm not through. I have several more hours I want to do. And he was like, you're not doing it. You're leaving. And we were arguing about it. And I started to laugh. And I said, you know, if I were working at Walmart stocking shelves, I would be glad when my five o'clock came. But because it's flowers... I'm not happy to get off work. I wish you would go away. I want to be left with my flowers. A hundred percent. I'm I'm that way. When we used to camp, we used to camp a lot. Um, and people were like, oh, how do you camp? And I said, well, when you spend as much time in hotel rooms for me, going on vacation and being in a hotel room feels like work. So like, oh, we're going to go stay in a hotel. I'm like, that sounds terrible. So, so um, when I would go with my girls and we would go places, more often than not, we went camping because my cell phone didn't work. <laughs> and, and I could get real family time, which you understand that's something, even if you don't enjoy camping, you can understand being sequestered with your family in the woods. <laughs> and so I had a little flower tool pouch that I carried in the camper that had a pruning knife and it had uh, clippers and it had paddle wire. And I had all just basic things so that when we would hike or walk around in the woods or wherever we were, 
that I could make things. And so I remember when we cleaned out the camper and we sold it um, because the girls just grew up and it wasn't a part of our lives anymore. That stage anymore. was over. Yeah, that stage was over. They want to get back to it. I, I love it that they both say, how come we don't camp anymore? We miss camping. I'm like, "We're it'll come back around. Just wait. It's going to cycle back. <laughs> Give us a couple Give years. Give us a couple years. But as we unpacked the camper and we were taking out all our things and we had sold it, I found that little pouch and I just held it to my chest and went, ah, oh, all the things I foraged, all the little th- arrangements I made for the picnic table or for the camper uh-huh. or the little projects, uh-huh. the girls and I would go and get things and sit on the picnic table and make wreaths or make whatever Very we made. Bold. Yeah. And so, so definitely it's exactly what you said for sure. Well, thank you for sharing with us about the hungry florist. We sign me up. Okay. Like to be a part of it, so put me in. I'll send you an invitation. And once you're in, you can invite other people. I'm not trying to keep people out of the group. The only reason it's private, closed and hidden is because I don't want bots. We, there's way too much of yeah. that that happens. And also I want people not to feel obligated. I wanted to create uh-huh. a safe space where you don't have to buy anything um, on there, you can just take a picture of what you ate for supper or say, Hey, I have this food allergy or, Hey, what do you guys do with this? Or how can we do about that? And it's just a safe space to talk about our relationship with food and how it could be more healthy. And it's not limited to florists either. There's a lot of people that said, Oh, I'm not a florist. I'm like, no, I just call it the hungry florist because I'm a florist and I'm hungry. And so (laughs) that just seemed like it should be the name. And so there's some great content over there. We're going to build out a lot more. It's a really fun community. Everybody seems to love it and they just want more. And so I'm trying to build that up and there'll be a website and some other things later. But for right now, that's what it is. If you share with me some links, I'll add them to the transcript and blog. So thank you for sharing your time and being with us. You're welcome. So, so nice to talk with you. Thank you for asking me. I have so much respect for you and for your family. And I remember meeting your family in Chicago and they were just lovely. And so it's kind of fun how our flower family splashes over onto our, our actual family. And so thank you so much for that. Taking enough of your time. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. audience smithers oasis north america jody and i want to thank you for joining us today if you've enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend and be sure to hit subscribe you don't want to miss the inspired solutions our upcoming guests will share with you for your personal or business growth if you have topics or guests you want to hear please message me we'd love to hear from you Until next time, I'm Sharon McGookin reminding you that like the unfurling petals of a flower, we grow by changing form, soaking inspiration in like raindrops, absorbing energy from others like warmth from the sun. This growth opens us up to new ideas, and that's how we bloom.